da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. So a different day this time, guys, but the same setting. We're back in my house. We're back in Richard's humble abode, Casa de Bardon. And joined this time though, Villa de Bardon, by original, ma'am, OG, originalist, OG, Brian Gill. Yep, I'm here. We had producer Stephen fill in for you last time. So the show was so much better, <laughs> so much better without me. No, not without you, just with Just producer. with Steven, because he just brings up everything. I haven't listened yet, uh, because, you know, I try not to listen to you guys as much as possible. But yeah, yeah. Uh, goes for on the air. And yeah, all. exactly. Uh, but I, I look forward to it, because we've been looking forward to Steven on the air for a long time. The best I'm kind of disappointed we haven't gotten 50,000 emails, because I, I, <laughs> I assume it's going to be either the best received episode of all time or the worst received. And I'm curious either way, so... He yep. kind of held back, honestly. He did. It was his first official podcast appearance, mm, so okay. only more He got to warm towards the end, but we had to go. Okay. He did have a great Stephen quote when he said, like all 10-year-olds, I care about justice. <laughs> That's a classic Stephen Next quote. time we get him on the air, uh, first or we watch... Or the justice system. It's yeah, it's we like, watch, like, we find a super cut on YouTube of King Griffey Jr. highlights and watch get that, and then he's just <laughs> pumped, man. Mm. Yep. Well, it was a good time. Sorry to miss you. Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't be here. But thanks back. for carrying on without me. I'm here. You're back, and there's a lot to catch up on. Mm. A lot has happened, both good and bad, since we last met on the show. And so we're back in Oscar season talk. We're officially kind of in the, the the midst of it right now. Miss Sloan's winning all the Oscars, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. It is. The accountant is best picture. <laughs> yeah. It's... um. It's the last episode we're going to record this year. Mm. So I guess we can kind of start off uh, with movie news, just kind of reflecting on the year and uh, the the kind of disappointment and maybe excitement we've had for this year. Uh, we're going to do an episode here probably in two weeks or three weeks, doing our best and worst of the year list, our definitive rankings mm-hmm. and all that. Favorite up of the year. Favorite performance of the year, director of the year, things like that. The, our annual MAM Awards, but um, just kind of my overall uh, overarching um, thought of this year is just kind of a kind of a down year, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, fair. I honestly thought towards the end of the year we would have a little kind of a surge, you know, towards mm-hmm. late November into December. Haven't really had the surge or the excitement that I thought of, that I thought we were going to have or anticipated around this time. But uh, there, there's some movies that we have yet to talk about that have really excited me. Assassin's aw- Creed, right? Right, for the awards type stuff. Mm-hmm. Assassin's is number one in, as far as that goes. <laughs> but there's the Oscar type movies I don't think have really let us down. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many contenders as I thought there would be. Agree. But yeah. the ones that are contenders are so strong yeah. mm-hmm. that I think it's going to be a really good conversation come, come to the end of the year. Yeah, day. it's an extremely top-heavy year, and it is... And the top is all pretty much like smaller mm-hmm. Oscar-y independent movies. Sometimes that's not the case. Last year, I think, was a year that was very top-heavy with great blockbusters or, or good blockbusters at yeah. least. Mad and, Max and The Martian and stuff like that. Right. And then I think 2014 is a little closer to this year where it was like, for me, that 2014, my favorite, the top three movies of the year were Boyhood, Birdman, and Grand Budapest, mm-hmm. which none of those made 
much money and weren't you know culturally uh, in the zeitgeist for you know the average movie fan. So I think this is this year's a little closer to that, just with the blockbusters really bumming us out. You're right. It'd be an interesting thing to track like the um, the up and down of that if that's like an alternating year thing because we're such fickle American consumers. <laughs> where we're like sure. we're sick of blockbusters and then we're sick of indie movies. And right. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was kind of what we expected, to be honest. I think we kind of felt this was going to be a down year. Yeah. You really can't expect every year to be as good as the year before it or mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. But um, just kind of the overarching theme for me is just kind of if I was to grade this year, I would say it's like a B- minus kind of a year. It's like uh, you got some some A's that bring it in, but then you've got some like F- minus minus yeah. minus yeah. that just bring the whole thing down. And so – just yeah. kind of leaves like not a sour taste in my mouth, but just kind of a forgetful year. Other than a few random mm-hmm. notes here or there, which I'm sure we'll have just plenty of time to talk about. Batman vs Superman. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Suicide Squad. Beavis. Um, it. <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of some somber news to discuss right off the top. Yeah. Um, we delayed this. We didn't talk about this earlier in the week when we could have with producer Steven and Richard and I. We wanted Brian to be here. Um, sad news because we are the official podcast of Star Wars. Anytime we can talk about or have to talk about somebody not being with us anymore from Star Wars, it's sad. Carrie Fisher passing away this past week. Mm. Um, if you're a fan of the show for any short amount of time, just over the past year, you heard Brian and I's story about Carrie Fisher <laughs> and our encounter with her. It's one of my favorite episodes. And... It it crazy. was <laughs> it was definitely a crazy and extremely memorable experience. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so Brian and I went in 2015, about a year ago actually, um, went to go see Carrie at our local Comic Con here in Dallas. She was kind of the headliner mm-hmm. that year. She was the biggest name. She was the only name Brian and I kind of circled and said we need to go see her panel. Right. Well, is that and the Doctor Who guy? <laughs> yeah, off. yeah. Right, Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our plan every year yeah, is for one of hell. us <laughs> to get yelled at by a Doctor Who. So. What if uh, that guy, what was his name again, Ken? Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester oh, McCoy man. and Chris Kattan did a movie together. Gosh. what would we Kent what, so much. Oh, man. What would we rate that between the two of us, Kent? I love that <laughs> story. It, I don't know. Chris Kattan would probably be higher. Yeah. It, Sylvester McCoy was definitely... A, an old man, and B, needed some tea. Like, he yeah. was really grumpy. Like, he yeah. had some hangry problems going on. But, right. Uh, and and also can't handle that extremely professionally because I did not. Just like, first of all, whoa, what's going on with this guy? First of all, if you don't want to be interviewed, <laughs> just say no. Don't agree to just be interviewed. No. Yeah. Okay? It's very simple. Yeah. Just, to, just to say, hey, guys, not I, I got other stuff going right. on. Yeah. But when you right. agree to be interviewed. You know and what then, David Duchovny said? No thanks, guys. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See you later. Like, yep. Or actually, that was Dermot Mulroney. Oh, crap. Yeah. Hey, I think it was Dylan McDermott. It might have been Dylan McDermott. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty sure it was. <laughs> All right, it's one of those three for sure. <laughs> we, we were for sure it was one of the three. Yeah. But um, so <laughs> Sylvester McCoy was awful, but we went to the panel for Carrie Fisher. And Brian and I get to the panel probably – it's scheduled for seven. Mm-hmm. So Brian and I get there. We have media passes and everything, and we get seated in, like, the nosebleeds of this place. And we're like, this is not right. <laughs> right. We're, we're media. We should not We're very important. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> obviously very important. More important yeah. than these s- scrubs in the back row. Yeah. 
So we walked downstairs. Actual medical doctors. It was in kind of an arena. It was in basically like uh, a 10,000 like seat, like a, like a yeah. coliseum for like a minor league hockey team. Uh-huh. Right. Rodeo. And, yeah. Yeah, rodeo. And so we're sitting in the back of the arena. And we're like, this is not right. So mm-hmm. I go down there. I'm like, Brian, stay here. I'm going to go get us some seats down yeah. front. And so I walked down front, walked straight to the front row. Yeah, sat down <laughs> it was, without anyone questioning me. It was so funny how much security there was outside the venue and how little security there was inside the venue because it was just like, oh, we're sitting here. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so we sit on the front row, and again, it's scheduled to start at 7. So at 7.15, the moderator comes on the stage and says, guys, I've got some bad news and some good news. I'm going to start with the good news. Carrie Fisher... We'll be here shortly. And we're like, yeah. Bad news is it's going to be another hour. <laughs> yeah, by shortly, I mean not shortly. And just, um, She's on her way. She had just gotten there. She was in traffic. Uh, again, her panel was starting at 7, so chances are she probably flew in at 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. landed at 5, caught a car over to downtown Dallas to do her panel at 7. Well, if anyone has been to Dallas, you know that <laughs> on a Friday or a Saturday – Around that time, you're looking to be in traffic for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. So she got stuck in traffic. We're all sitting in the arena and eagerly anticipating Carrie to get there. So finally, probably 7.55, the moderator walks out and says, Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Carrie Fisher. She walks on the stage, <laughs> roaring applause. Everyone's super happy. She's got her dog, Gary, on its leash, yeah. you know, coming onto the stage, just them two. And they pop a squat on the couch, and the moderator starts to talk to Carrie, okay? <laughs> starts to do the generic, well, Carrie, it's good to have you here. We got a lot of stuff. This is before The Force Awakens came out. Right. This is probably six months before. Yeah. So the anticipation was huge for this movie. No one knew anything about it. We just wanted to get something from Carrie about the new movie, about some maybe some insight into Star Wars that we had never heard before. This is an original cast member, you know? And she gave us... Almost none of that. Um, (laughs) She decided, okay, I've got an hour here. I'm just basically going to do stand-up for an hour. Yeah, she just vamped in a brilliant way. She she improved and fed off the audience Uh and asked, got questions from the audience and told her stories. And she was just, she's completely mesmerizing, to be honest. Yeah, she she told us about 37 times that uh, she had to be, she had been warned to be very careful about what she said about The Force Awakens because she... Right before that, she had almost blown something to uh, a news outlet. So she kept, like, tiptoeing the line of what you can say, and then she would back off of it. And then she right. would tiptoe back up to it. And uh, it was a it was a great – I mean, it was like a performance. It was like watching somebody perform on stage, and it was, uh, it was something else. It was a completely unscripted hour with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And yeah. – she to brought say, a kid up on stage and then talked to her and her mom for like uh-huh. thirty yeah. minutes. I mean, it was it made her made them part of the act essentially. All that to say, it was an incredibly memorable experience. And all that to say, Carrie Fisher was not a normal person. She's not <laughs> a normal. She was not a normal. Let's sit down and do this interview, talk about Star Wars, and take some questions and leave. She kind of paved her own path mm-hmm. in everything she did, and in hindsight. I'm extremely glad we got to be there <laughs> yeah, and to totally. see that and to just – I, I kind of knew who Carrie was after that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, I think so too. I, I really think it, it was what we needed to see <clears throat> to kind of appreciate her for who she was as a person. And, and it so sad. I mean, she was so energetic and, and thoughtful, and 
I just couldn't have guessed that a year from now we would be talking yeah. about this. I could could not even imagine that that would be a possibility. But um, what a treasure she was. And I know we're all Star Wars fans and we appreciate her for that. But I think it goes beyond that. Yeah, just her upbringing and everything. But, Brian, can you talk about just kind of your thoughts and, and where you found out and, and all that? Yeah, I mean, we, so we kind of expected it because she spent, I don't know, how many days it was of, of being in uh, in bad shape, it seemed like. And we kept getting news back and forth of her condition. And, you know, she's only 60, but she did put her body through hell in the 80s especially. And um, so that, you know, that takes its toll on you. And, and so it was a – I was bummed, obviously, to, to find out that she had passed and that was uh, – it does feel like a great loss, and especially at this moment where it's like her. I think all the star, everybody except for Harrison Ford, everybody related to Star Wars, kind of went through a lull. Um, partly, I think partly, all for all of them, they would tell you that it was intentional, and and partly just a result of you're a part of this huge thing, and you can't ever really get away from that. Um, and so it's kind of, it maybe is even more of a bummer that she's you know passed away right at this moment where her star was about to rise again not that she ever needed uh to be a a bigger presence but when you've gone through when you've been the big one of the biggest movie stars in the world and then you're kind of behind the scenes for 30 years and right at the moment where you're about to recapture some of that uh your body gives out that seems kind of cruel and and awful in some ways but um knowing how Carrie Fisher was herself and like the way she thought about life and stuff I think uh she would find a way to make a very uh a very dark joke out of that uh some way or another so it's a it's an incredible loss it's a major bummer it's been uh interesting to watch or excuse me to read all these articles that have come out since her death about her legacy and her work behind the camera and and people pointing out some of the various uh smaller roles and stuff that she's done. I, I think of 30 rock and, um, when Harry met Sally and a couple other mm-hmm. things like that, somebody today brought up her, her cameo and scream three that I had totally forgotten about. That was, that is hilarious. It's just mm-hmm. a great yeah, moment. Right. Um, there's been slash filmed a, a piece on her script doctoring background and how she helped a lot of movies get through some of their difficult processes and stuff like that. So she's had, she has a great legacy, she will, of course, always be Princess Leia to uh, the vast majority of, of uh, Carrie Fisher fans, and it's always going to be kind of tied into Star Wars and that role, and uh, I I think that's okay. Like, I think she's, I think she had come to peace with that long before uh, her untimely death, so um, it's, a, it's a huge loss, loss and, and she will always be, you know, Star Wars is my favorite movie of all time. We've talked about Star Wars more on the show than anything else. Uh, besides now you see me and it's so that's a that's a big deal to me that one of the you know the three core care three core actors uh is is gone now but uh i think she it's a bummer to lose her this young but i think she lived quite an incredible life and if we didn't know that for sure then that hour we spent with her uh last year really brought that to life exactly and she really was somebody who embraced princess leia uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody like Harrison Ford, who was, yes. ever since Star Wars, was trying to distance himself mm-hmm. away from Han Solo and create characters that 
people would remember more than Han Solo because he was sick of being Han Solo. Carrie embraced it, knew Princess Leia, made her the celebrity that she was, Mm -hmm. and kind of like Mark Hamill, who did some stuff here and there, some voice work and things like that, kind of was thankful for their role in Star Wars and just kind of appreciative that they could even be associated with it. And Mm -hmm. like, hey, if the work, you know, if people forever know me for Princess Leia, that's fine. Because what a great thing to be known for, you know? Yeah. And I really, and she loves Star Wars too. Um, Part of the the panel we talked about, she, she, I remember her saying specifically, can you believe that we are all here in this room tonight because Mm -hmm. of Star Wars? Yeah. I'm here because of Star Wars. You're here because of Star Wars. We're we love we're you know we're bonding as humans on this earth because of Star Wars and you, you got to appreciate that and I just loved her bringing that to light and kind of putting it in that perspective. So Richard, do you have any thoughts on this? She was always someone. I don't know what it was about her because um, and, and and I could be speaking totally from personal experience because I like Star Wars, but it's not you know um, as big a deal in my life as it is in in both of yours, but. but She's someone I always just really liked. I don't really know why. She was, and even at her kind of darkest points, it was really, um, it was easy to be sympathetic to her, mm-hmm. and uh, just to really seemed like a really really bright uh, person in in a variety of different ways. And yeah, I mean, sixties young, and like you said, Brian, she put her body through a lot um, in the eighties. I think everyone did. <laughs> Uh, but it's still, tr- I mean, it's still terribly sad because I think, like you said, I, th- I mean, she got through a marriage to Paul Simon. I mean, who can, <laughs> yeah, there's only so many bongos, so many bongos you can handle every morning when you're his vows. Up. His vows were rough when he was just like, <laughs> I will always <laughs> love you. So that's his part. <laughs> it's like, why are there still drums in this wedding? Hymn? <laughs> Put the didgeridoo down. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> No, she, but she's a really likable person and someone who reinvented themselves multiple, multiple times mm-hmm. and was, on, like you said, Brian, on the verge of probably doing that again. You know, her part was rather small in Force Awakens. We don't know what it is yet in uh, in Episode 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, by the way, this, I'm I'm totally blanking here. What's the subtitle of Episode 8? Has that been I don't released? I think it has one yet. It's it just has not been yeah. released yet. Okay, cool. Just making sure. I'm always last to know, so yeah. maybe I thought you guys knew and I didn't. But anyway, she she may have a very large part in that and... And that'll be that'll be interesting, but uh, mm. yeah, it's sad. And then and then on top of that, Debbie Reynolds as right. well, who's who's, who's great, has always been great. If you haven't seen uh, the Albert Brooks movie, is it Mother or Mom? I, never, I think it's Mother. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best like uh, performances you'll see in a in that type of film. And and she, yeah, she both of them were were such such uh, Hollywood royalty in the best sense of it. It's kind of fun sometimes the the. Uh, the way Hollywood can be so family oriented. Sometimes it's nepotism, but sometimes it's kind of nice. And in her case, with her parents, it was kind of nice. I always thought. I th- always mm-hmm. thought she was deserving, and just happened to be. Yes, you know. I agree. But yes. Anyway, I I said a bunch of nice things about her. Now I'm going to delete all of these from the record. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was crazy because last two days ago, I go to see La La Land, which we'll talk about next week, but. Terrible. I'm in the it's theater. Awful movie. <laughs> I'm in the theater seeing it and loving it. Spoiler alert. And get the text. Debbie Reynolds yeah. dies 
I'm like, what are the freaking odds in the world that I'm watching yeah, a movie yeah. that solely pays tribute yeah. and is inspired by Singing in the Rain, right. and I get the text that the star of Singing in the Rain has just passed away? Right. I mean, you could not. And in yeah. true the 2016 odds. fashion, right after that, somebody grave robbed Fred Astaire's grave. It's just been rough. <laughs> it's Gosh. been awful. Yeah, it's just been it's been a <laughs> terrible one, to say the least. But, I mean, what a bummer that was to get out of that movie and be like, wow, what a, what a great musical that was. Oh. Oh yeah, and Debbie Reynolds, Reynolds is dead. Is dead. Yeah. It's like it's like going yeah. to see, I don't know, The Sound of Music on Broadway, and they'd be like, "Oh, by the way, Julie Andrews." Is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not good at all. But um, man, that's so sad, and and you gotta think the death of Carrie, her daughter, yeah, oh, accelerated yeah. the process. Um, you never want to die before your daughter. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the stress of that, through the mean, grief of and that, it looks and like she 84. died of a stroke, and and that's understandable. The the toll that that just puts on you that age, you're you're genetically, um, not made to to deal with that. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, you're kind of genetically made to to handle your parents passing, but not right. necessarily yeah. your child. And and you know, it's something younger people can maybe get through at least physically, emotionally, it can torment them forever. But an older person physically, I, I completely right. understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and Carrie had a heart attack on a plane. That's what happened. Um, she was unconscious for 10, 15 minutes. Apparently, they administered CPR and weren't able to get her conscious until the paramedics showed up when they landed. And um, out of kind of nowhere. And mm-hmm. I think the day that Carrie died, they released the info that Gary Shandling had a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, blood clot. Blood clot that he didn't know about, and that's what that's what ended his life. So, mm-hmm. moral of the story tonight, guys, on the Mad About Movies podcast, go get your heart checked up on. Gosh, yeah, make sure you're good absolutely. to go. takes not very long for them to run some dye through your bloodstream and yeah. figure that all out, catch any clots before they happen. And um, we don't want to lose people ever, but especially for reasons that they did not know about or could have avoided. That's never, yeah. never how we want things to go about right. but it's super sad that carrie won't be involved in the episode eight press tour and the promotion of that's, that that film that she had worked so hard on that's a loss too i mean that's right yeah. uh the rest are not they're delightful in the films but they're not the most like martin Ham- mark hamill's not right. the most interesting not person. An electric personality the way yeah. carrie fisher is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah definitely absolutely yeah carrie was on colbert uh, before the force awakens and and i went back and watched that and um, she brought her dog Gary on. Yeah, the, the dog show. stuff. The dog stuff is killing. The me. dog was the amazing. Little tweet, the little tweet about it waiting for her when he got home, for her to get home. Like I'm, I was just a wreck over the. I was yeah. much more sad about the dog than <laughs> losing the human life. Yeah, it was. It's so sad, but um, again, I just I mean, thank you, Carrie, for being involved in formative years of my life. Definitely my first crush, 100. Sure. percent You know. Um, loved Princess Leia, and and how weird is it to see the young Princess Leia in in Rogue One? Yeah, and then have all this happen is is quite emotional and and hard. But again, sad that we have to talk about this. But again, very appreciative mm-hmm. of what she did bring us. Totally. So. Yeah. Let's hope this is the last time we talk about this in 2016 <laughs> and the foreseeable future, because I don't know how many more American Treasure type people we can lose. Yeah. But. Having said that, there's a little bit of movie news to talk about. And just kind of one thing that I want to bring up 
And it's a trailer that debuted. Uh, Alien Covenant trailer mm. dropped. Have you seen it? And immediate initial thoughts. First of all, sequel to Prometheus is kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, prequel, we're assuming, to the original Alien. And uh, my kind of hope for this going in was if they can kind of combine Prometheus and Alien, that would be great. Yeah. You know, because I do like a lot of aspects about both of them. I like the tone of Prometheus. I like the speed of Alien. Right. Yeah. I like the the uh, kind of unpredictability of Alien. The yeah. Kind of, the, I like the, the story of Alien. The slasher for, flick yeah. aspect of Alien. Uh, this kind of seems to be that. For at least that's what the trailer indicates. Uh, David is back. Michael Fassbender's character mm-hmm. is back uh, for Alien Covenant, but it looks like it looks to be a new ship, new journey, and uh, this kind of is the definitive link to Alien from Prometheus. So, did you see the trailer, Brian? And and what were your yeah? I watched on it? it a week ago or whatever, whenever it came out. Um, it's very dark, and I think that shows that it's kind of taking it back to the taking it back to the original. Right. take of Alien, which is great. I mean, Alien is a, is a horror movie set in mm-hmm. space, and uh, you know, Aliens is more of an action movie, and then I don't know what you would describe Alien 3 and, and uh, the fourth. Is it called Alien 4 or something? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, Alien. I can find that out. Regardless, uh, that one's not so great. But, um, it, boy, I like the tone. Alien Resurrection. There you go. Thank you. I like the tone. That's um, what I do. I like... Most of the casting choices, I'm I'm not super thrilled about Danny McBride clogging up my Alien movie, but uh, you know, it looks pretty good. Danny McBride, I, I think it was Danny McBride, wasn't it? I, I haven't think looked so. at the IMDb list, but I thought it was him. It, okay, it'd be great if it wasn't because I don't need him in my movies. Um, I'm now I'm stuck on Danny McBride talk. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to. I liked Prometheus. I think. Can't you like Prometheus as well? We were in the minority. That was pre-podcast days, but um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one quite a bit for all of its flaws. Richard, I don't know where you stand on, uh, on Prometheus. I like it. I like it, but I was really hyped for it. So I was sure. I've never liked a movie that much that I was let down by. Okay, that's fair. Um, I thought there were some aspects to it that were just yeah jaw droppingly awesome. Yeah, it was all over the place. The reveal of the engineers mm-hmm. when they take the helmet off the the kind of engineer outers and it's like the human face yeah i just remember getting chills in the theater because mm-hmm. they were looking for the source of humanity yeah mm-hmm. like this might be it and they remove that helmet and they see that human face and i'm like wow what yeah, a cool sure. moment um so i love that i think the the sequence in prometheus where she's giving herself the surgery c-section surgery yeah. when yeah. she gets like impregnated with the alien is one of the more squeamish sequences I've ever seen. Yeah, sure. And yes. definitely was effective in every <laughs> aspect. Um, For sure. Very well done. And there's some ridiculous stuff about that. Like, oh, let's just take our helmets off on this foreign planet. Oh, that looks like an alien. Come here, boy. Come here. Come here. <laughs> oh, it's biting my yeah. arm. It's like, pr- why are you trying to pet the alien? Always a bad idea. It is Daniel McBride in uh, Wow, I did not know that. Alien Covenant. And I'm... That's I'm kind of fitting, though. It's, it's like, Bill little, Pullman was kind of random in Alien. Yeah. You know, it's just like, why is this kind of... Yeah. Comedian kind of. We'll, we'll see how it works. Franco's in it too, and that actually. Bill Paxton. Has me I should say Bill Paxton. Sorry. Would you say Pullman? I got my wrong. My bills mixed. It, it was, was actually no, it was Dermot, Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Franco's in it. I'm excited to see him do something different, and I think we're about to be in a Billy Crudup assance. So I'm pretty yeah. excited. Ooh, I, I saw so. him. I saw him in there. I'm not 
I'm kind of bummed about Catherine Waterston because she was pretty bad in Fantastic Beasts, and that was a yeah. major bummer to me. So, like, yeah. I hope that that was a because I liked her in uh, Inherent Vice. I'm, so maybe you know maybe that was just a bad uh, a bad performance by her or a bad role or whatever. But she just she kind of doesn't have a lot of charisma, even in the trailer. She's just kind of a blank wall, and that so that that has me a little nervous. But overall. Um, I'm very excited. I know we have a, a, a listener guest lined up for that one already, and he's really excited about it too. So um, I'm hoping this will I, – I think you're right, Ken. I, if it could kind of uh, find the middle ground between Alien and Prometheus, I think that would be great, and I'd be very excited to, to watch that. As would I. And, Richard, did you see it? Uh, yeah, I did. I'm, I like, I'm a fan of that universe. I think Alien is like, like to me – uh, the the perfect roller coaster like uh, that I'm always looking for in roller coasters. Most roller coasters to me, I've said this before, are either super weak or way too intense. I very rarely find the one that's just right. Mm-hmm. Alien, in terms of scare factor, is always just right to me. Yeah, it's kind of leapfrogged into my one of my most anticipated movies of yeah. 2017. And I we'll gotta, talk more about those later. Yeah, we will. But... Um, Really kind of blown away by the trailer. It's yeah, exactly it's what good. I wanted it to be. Maybe even more than I wanted it to be as far as echoing the tone of Alien. And just when you doubt Ridley Scott, he's going to kind of do awesome. And just when you think he's going to do great, he's going to suck. Uh, that's kind of been the trend. Yes. Uh, he was. Very much he so. did. He nailed the Martian. And yeah, or he he the counselor was terrible. Exodus was terrible. Yeah, the Martian was good, Gosh. and so I'm hoping this is good. Him like, and Sam like Mendes t- should like have, be in a support group <laughs> together for like yeah, consi- to try to just become consistent. That would work, or Sam Raimi or somebody, right? Yeah. Well, nonetheless, Alien Covenant highly anticipated, and we'll do our episode, maybe some kind of throwback retrospective on Alien. Yeah, definitely series Prometheus before then. But check out the trailer. Let us know your thoughts via Twitter, email, and all that good stuff. Uh, but now, let's head on over to Oscar Talk, take a break, and talk Manchester by the Sea, guys. Boom. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. 
Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so this movie appears on most of the Oscar shortlists for a number of categories. Um, I went into this movie knowing Casey Affleck had been getting some buzz, but really not knowing anything else about the movie. Mm -hmm. Plot-wise, director-wise, had no idea. (laughs) Um, What a time at the movie, at the talkies. (laughs) A spoiler alert, it's a delight. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Basically slapstick the whole way. (laughs) I thought this was... Yuck, 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 yuck. (laughs) This was a remake of a Benny Hill sketch, right? (laughs) I think it was Dorf on Golf <laughs> yeah, like, okay. did this. Just a then... laugh a minute, goofy <laughs> yeah. tone. Goofy I found tone. it. I was just, I danced out of the theater. It's, I've seen on the poster, it's the airplane of 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and he just never stops. I think, I mean, we, and we've only seen it once. And, and you know, we have, we have MacGruber, you know, because that movie gets funnier with each watch. I right. mean, this could be on that level. Yeah. Could be. Could I want to stick to that bit and just <laughs> anybody that asks about this movie be like, it's a joke. It's hilarious. Like, yeah. you, you have to concentrate on how many yeah. jokes are flying at you. you. Yeah. Love Try to laugh yeah. silently because you're going to yeah. miss a few. Yeah. Seth Rogen is just hilarious. Yeah. You will love him. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, this, one of the more depressing movies I've seen uh-huh. as far as <laughs> circumstances of, brutal. of what, of what happens. Yeah. But. I didn't really leave with being depressed. Um, no, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it sucks. This whole movie, the circumstances of everything sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. very little joy in this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this is a, a tough one for me because this one ranks so high on Rotten Tomatoes that anyone looking at any movie times are like, "Oh, that one's ninety-seven percent. I'm gonna go see that yeah. one. That one must be great." Yeah. And you see it, and you're like, yeah, that was some good performances, but but would I recommend it? Right. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. would I actively tell somebody, you need to see this? Sure. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but what I would say is that, was it executed well? Sure. Were the performances good? Extremely solid. Mm-hmm. Was the sure. scripting good? Yeah. It was good. Was the cinematography solid? Yep. I think oh, from a technical and just like... What what do you judge a movie by? I think it passes all the tests, but getting a recommend from me is going to be tough. And we like these kind of movies. I know we talk a lot of you know Fast and Furious and silly stuff on here, mm-hmm. but we're I mean I'm not saying we're like uh, crazy critics or anything, but we like these kind of movies. We like things that are small. So it's not that we're saying like just wasn't for me. Not enough explosions. No, <laughs> this movie is profoundly depressing. Like of a of a story. Yeah, it's beautiful in a lot of ways. There's a ton of. I mean, I can understand why every actor in the world would want to do this. Yeah. There's a ton of depth there. And it's, in so many ways, a wonderful, wonderful film. But uh, not not, um, not a fun 
tr- it's kind of a trog, yeah. or whatever that word is that I've heard people use. I've never used before, so it felt <laughs> weird coming out of my mouth. Slog. That's it. There you go. Kind of a trog or a trog. <laughs> it's a trog. Yeah. I think that was a video game in the arcades. In the I early agree. 90s, I think so. Or a weird trog. Like, fraternity. Mm. Are yeah. you a trog? Yeah, yeah. bro. No, I'm um, a hog. Mm, okay. Cool. Hold on, guys. Let's stop for this Texas Wesleyan <laughs> football. Adam, so psyched. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a art house movie on top of an art house movie, and then sprinkled in with se- severely dark themes yeah. that that reveal themselves completely organically, and it's incredibly. I think it's really well scripted. Yeah, story wise, especially. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I would agree. This is a this is the kind of movie that like, I, I run into this a lot with with Oscar type movies of I'm going to give this a high grade when we get done with this, just spoiler alert, just telling you now I'm going to give it a pretty high grade, but there's a difference between grading a movie high and recommending a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like I had boyhood as my number one movie of the year. I had a a friend who, who read uh, whatever I had written about it at the time and went and rented it, I think. And then kind of gave me some crap about like that movie was really not very good and very difficult, and and I I told them well the difference is I I would not have told they said you to go. Boyhood watch was the, not very good because Boyhood is not a movie that um, the w- one movie a month crowd is going to enjoy. Yeah. There's just no it's 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 too long, it's too uh, ambitious, it doesn't have a lot of it doesn't have any plot. You know, I, I think Boyhood is is a freaking masterpiece. It's a brilliant film. I would never like. Just stop. I would never go to family Christmas and be like, guys, guess what movie we're all going to watch <laughs> right now year. is Boyhood. You, you should know? do it one year. It just would never, I would never pull that off. I would be like, let's watch Elf. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's not something that sure. the average, and this is even more so because the themes are so uh, dark and depressing and, and very real. I mean, they they mm-hmm. if you have... Um, if you've been through some stuff, like this is gonna hit very close to home kind of kind of themes, and they don't, you know, it doesn't pull any punches. In spite of that, it's very funny. I laughed a lot. No, there are some the jokes. Movie. Yeah, I think the performance, all the performances are good. the The lead performance is fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of the top, probably three performances that I've seen this year, um, and that I think overshadows. There are some, I don't know, I don't want to say issues. I think the movie itself isn't quite as good as their performances are, just personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the performances prop it up so wonderfully that you, you can't really, I mean, you can't ignore this movie if you're, uh, if you are a a cinephile or a movie critic or, a, you know, any any sort of uh, person who's who's not just the average. If you're the average moviegoer, you may have trouble with this one, as did pretty much everybody in my theater mm-hmm. like when my when my showing ended it i was definitely the youngest person in the theater and the woman next to me like it ended and she goes oh boo and got up from her seat and just stormed out what a like, weird reaction oh, okay that. well that wasn't what i was expecting like an angry rat yeah she was so mad so it's gonna be i think this is i don't have the numbers in front of me i would guess this has a a lower uh audience score than it does a Rotten Tomatoes score and that is usually a, kind of an indicator that it's 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 a difficult movie to I can to find that through. out for you and also I can't I, I had the same reaction in the theater as you did Brian when I was leaving there I was were hoping two, you had the same one as that there lady. were two oh, boom. <laughs> she just keeps Ant going from out. movie to movie <laughs> there were two girl <laughs> friends uh, you know probably in their mid to late 30s mm-hmm. that went together to go girls night out kind of thing 
and they were leaving and said, that sucked. Yeah. That was so depressing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to dispel the nomer that because it's depressing, yeah. means right. it yes. sucks. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I can't stand problem with our culture, somebody yeah. saying that, wow, that movie made me sad, yes. so it sucks. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, it, it made you sad because it was good and effective, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like hating a villain in a movie in real life. Like, he, you hated him so much, that means he did a great job. Yeah, well, it's it, that's a or whole – yes, the, the entire culture, that's a problem. It's like you can say – like my wife does not like to have a movie em, elicit any kind of emotional response. She just wants laughter or, oh, that was a good movie. She yeah. doesn't want to have any kind of uh, – that made her cry or – you know. but if we go see a movie that is – you know that does bring about that response, then she will say, that's not really my thing, but it was very good. Yeah. You know, something like that. The The – <laughs> the immediate response of like, man, that that just sucked is such a beat down to yeah. me. Um, I didn't like it. Didn't have a happy ending. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it was yeah. a truth. It was a it was a Holocaust. <laughs> it was it was Shoah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to tell you. So let's play. Take a guess here. So the Rotten Tomato score is ninety seven percent. What guess the audience store score, Brian? Um, I'm gonna go seventy percent. Kanto. The Metacritic score or Rotten Tomatoes audience The Rotten Tomatoes audience score. I want to go 50%. It's 83%. So it's mm. a little bit higher. Okay. A little bit higher than I would That's higher expected. than I would expect. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Well, plot-wise, script-wise, I thought this was very well done. Um, mainly the nonlinear storyline. Yes. How they flash back to Kyle Chandler mm-hmm. dying, A, at the beginning of the movie, and then back to when he was living, mm-hmm. and then back and forth. I really appreciated that, and... I didn't understand it at first what they were doing, but it took me two or three times for them flashing back to understand the that uh, they were he would die, and then they kind of would go back and to explain mm-hmm. how important he was, or yeah. why his death is significant, or why it's affecting sure. these people, or why his son can't be without his dad, and how Casey Affleck, his character, really has to kind of be that guy now. Yeah, to not only his son Patrick. Uh, Joe's son, Patrick, but also to the community and, and everybody else. And mm-hmm. and let's be honest, uh, Lee, who is Casey Affleck, is not, doesn't have his life together by any means. No. I mean, the guy's a janitor, right. you know? And Well, if any of you are janitors listening to us, we're not saying your life is not together. But not, the way he's portrayed in this. The, yes, way, the, way, the way he's portrayed in this is that this is all I'm going to do, and this is all I care to do, yes. and I really don't care – about anything else, and I don't want to have joy. I don't yeah. want to move. I don't want to have just kids. I don't want to get married. Exactly. He's like, basically something happened to him earlier in his life that has ruined his life. Yes. Okay, and we don't know what that is yet. We're always hinted at it, and they do a really good job of kind of keeping that a mystery throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. Uh, up until kind of the midway to... Well, they reveal. Yeah. To yeah. midway to, you know, second half of the movie, they kind of reveal it, and there's some lines... Specifically from a, w- a woman in the movie, like, that's Lee Chandler? I can't believe they let him in this town, mm-hmm. you know, after after what happened. And, mm-hmm. it, right. and and it's a small line like that that can really do a lot of exposition without doing exposition, which I always appreciate. And mm-hmm. La La Land was great at exposition without exposition, but we'll we'll talk about that. But um, I was kind of interested. Yeah, uh, I, to say that this movie didn't keep my attention would be inaccurate because I was interested in these characters. I was interested in what was going to happen to Patrick and to uh, Lee and to Joe's family and what mainly what was going to happen to Lee because we didn't know why he was being called mm-hmm. a murderer 
really, kind of, or treated like one, and why he was only able to do certain things with his life. But do we want to get to the reveal this soon, or do you have any other thoughts about kind of how, how it's set up? The only thing I would say before we you know go into full-on spoilers is I I think Lonergan, Kenneth Lonergan is the director or writer, um, I thought he did a a brilliant job of of showing the the difference between Casey Affleck's character in the past and now in the present and giving you this sense of like that there's something more to this than just he got divorced, you know, or something like that. Like it, it, it whatever it was before they get to the reveal, whatever it was that and they do, and he does it so I think so subtly, of just kind of letting, kind of letting you just pick up on the on the context and the, and the the scenes just kind of unfold and they're not giving you any exposition. It's just like you're just gonna have to trust that uh, that the audience is picking up on like the vast differences between him before and after and kind of leading you to this place where you have to know that something major happened to him, not just. Uh, you know, a, a, a bad life occurrence, like something terrible had to have happened. So I thought that was a great, I thought they, he played that perfectly. Yeah. I was pretty blown away by Casey Affleck in this yeah. movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had no idea he had leading man potential or any acting chops, right. to be honest, like serious acting chops. Uh, I've always enjoyed him kind of in an ensemble movie, the Oceans films uh-huh. and things like that. He's always been kind of an enjoyable uh, personality, but I never really thought he could carry a movie with this weight. Yeah, and he did. You know, he's always done. I've always been a big Casey Affleck fan from the Ocean's days because uh, that that re- Ocean's Eleven is one of my favorite movies, and I I love. I mean, I like that entire cast really, and so I've have kind of paid attention to them as they've gone, and that was fifteen plus years ago now. Um, I've seen him do some really good work. Assassination of Jesse James yes. is good. Yes, he's excellent in that. He's excellent in Gone Baby Gone. So you see it in like some of the bigger spots. Um, he was also really good in Out of the Furnace, which we didn't really love, but he's good yeah. in that. Yep. Um, he was really good in Ain't Them Body Saints, which was like a nothing uh, movie, a very small, no, no money, and and didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of buzz. By, or by Dallas's own David Lowry, director oh, of yeah. Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? I watched Irving High School. David Lowry, crazy. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched Triple Nine, which sucks. It's not very good at all. But he, and that's from earlier this year. Uh, he's really, really good in it. And sometimes, to me, that's the to me that's like something that I'm really looking for is a. I want you to have as as what I'm looking for in an actor is I want you to make good career choices, obviously, but. I'm always interested to see how actors play in a bad movie. Mm-hmm. If they can still carry it, carry it, or if they're that's one thing. His, pop, his know, brother does like not that. have that skill. Absolutely, hundred percent. And, and even Triple Nine. I mean, Woody Harrelson. He's playing off of Woody Harrelson most of the time. Woody Harrelson doesn't have that. Woody yeah. Harrelson, if he's in a bad movie, he's, he's bad. Well, in it. well, he, except in, for when he plays two. Of <laughs> yeah, himself. then they cancel each other. Out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> Affleck was really good in in Trip Nine, even though the, the movie was not very good. So this, was, but this was to your point, Kent, hundred percent. This is the this is his moment. Like this is the breakout of like where everybody says, "Oh crap, Casey Affleck's a really good actor." Sure. Yeah, yeah and in a year that wasn't 
strong, mm-hmm. in my opinion, with male performances, leading male performances. Yeah. Um, he kind of stands alone. I haven't seen Fences yet. I heard Denzel is fantastic yeah. in Fences. He wrote and direct. I mean, he directed and acted in Fences, so that might be something to look out for. But as far as movies I've seen, mm-hmm. and I've seen most of them this year, yeah, uh, he's far and away the the best actor yeah. nominee in my opinion. So I thought he was great. Uh, the 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 supporting cast was strong as well. Michelle Williams in a very kind of limited role mm-hmm. as uh, Lee's ex-wife, uh, had a moment. Uh, Kyle Chandler, like we mentioned as well. He's so great. He Luke, really is. Like, everything yeah. he does is great. When does he show up on screen and you're, like, bummed? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When he's great at these small – you know, I don't know if he could – I don't know if you could switch them and, like, have Kyle Chandler play that role. I don't know. I don't know if he can pull it off. I'm the biggest Friday Night Lights fan in the world, so um, I love what he does there. I'm not sure if he has uh, – quite the the gravitas to carry a to be the leading man in a big movie like this or an oscar movie like this but these supporting roles when he pops up even a movie like spectacular now that we didn't really care for yeah. uh he's he's the best part of the movie he's well, great in that besides the cup yeah. i don't want to <laughs> yeah, i don't want to disparage the cup but uh he's 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 the best the human with, actor yeah. in, the, in the movie <laughs> the scenes with him and the cup <laughs> are the ones that really just, pop when he has really to interact with the cup pop off the screen yeah, yeah. Uh, he's man, he's so good. It's so funny to me too that Michelle Williams is uh, a so well respected and deservedly so, and is b just such a great presence on screen that she is the one that has made it out of that <laughs> that Dawson's Creek crowd. Like, yeah, you really would have lost. I would have lost some money on that if yeah, I was betting in nineteen ninety seven. I, I would have had her ahead of Vanderbeek, but right. I would have had her third. Yeah. <laughs> so originally, y'all are gonna love this. So originally, this movie was supposed to it's Matt, da- uh, Matt, be Damon, Matt Damon joint, yeah. Matt Damon uh-huh. joint, directed and starring. And so Kenneth Lonergan wrote the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote, analyzed this and mm-hmm. analyzed that. Were in Gangs of New York, or yeah. probably his, his and the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie that we and talked he, oh, about a couple. Weeks and he's ago. done some other smaller films too that are more sure, like this. What sure. was that one? What was the one a couple of years? Uh, Kenneth Lonergan? Yeah, I think I had Maggie Gyllenhaal. Margaret. Margaret, Margaret yeah. yeah. Margaret. Um, anyway, so Lonergan was involved kind of from the start, um, but he says that Matt Damon and John Krasinski came to him mm-hmm. to do this movie, and initially Damon was in a, in a, in a, in a producer-type role. But... John Krasinski was actually supposed to play Lee, oh, but no. decided not to do it. Oh, he made a so, good choice. So. No, so of all no, the projects did. that he decides to do, <laughs> yeah, I'm with, I'm why with does Ken he on do this. the one that, <laughs> He's like, cursed, man. That, yeah. That maybe he, he just needed this one. He's like, maybe he recognized it. It's like, all right, if I do this, it's going to suck. If I do, so th- no, if I do this, it's going to be best actor, so I better not do it. You know? I better just stick to Gus Van Sant's next. If I ever win an award for anything I do, then Emily Blunt will leave me. It's just a weird... The pact I made with the devil. So. Exactly. So I thought that was funny that yeah. it was going to be Matt Damon guy. as Lee. Like, would this have worked with a such a big-name star? And Because the way Casey Affleck plays this character, it's so mm-hmm. toned down and quiet. And yeah. he I, brought something to the character that I don't think Matt Damon I'm of the opinion him. that Matt Damon can do literally anything, so I, I don't think this is any worse. Yeah, I think Matt he would have been great. And role, it, yeah. But it is, I think it is the, I think Casey Affleck probably is the perfect person to play that. 
he's uh, got the Boston stuff yeah. going down. Yeah, but without being like, yeah, he doesn't do like smart. Yeah, like, back the cat, have yeah. a yacht. Yeah, I was. I, that Everyone was, sounds like Peter Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Actually, is that it? it you know, it is all uh, focused in that area of the world, and yet. It wasn't like they were trying to beat you over the head with clam chowder or something like that. I feel like you want to head down and watch this Sox game down at (laughs) Sully's? Uh, You wicked queer man. The the eggplant palm is so good. (laughs) Such a whipping. Just such a whipping. I got a wicked good eggplant palm. I felt like it was very very organic and and authentic to to Boston. I'll have the bagger with cheddar. (laughs) So the reveal. Uh, we can get spoilers now. So spoilers coming up for this. If you haven't seen it, don't because you'll probably cry. <laughs> but if you have, do you stay like with us. to cry in the movies? Yeah. Well, so yeah. the reveal. Basically, we don't know what Casey Affleck did, but we know it's bad, mm-hmm. and we find out he's starting now. That... You see me. That's why. <laughs> basically, he gets. He was not. Now he's you an see outcast. Me. Yeah. He made a good choice. We. Get the fact that he likes to drink. Um, that's kind of the first character flaw that they kind of point out. Mm-hmm. And he likes to drink so much that he's going to invite all his friends over at 2 in the morning, they say in the movie, and I'm going to throw a party on a weeknight. I don't care if my daughters and my wife are trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's uh, We're going to do our thing. So they're throwing a party in the basement. Wife comes down. Lee, it's 2 in the freaking morning. Get, tell your friends to leave now. This is not cool. So everyone's drunk. Everyone leaves. Lee is still drunk. He's not done partying. So he's like, I'm going to go get some more beer, get a smoke, whatever. Um, but it's the winter. I'm going to, you know, make sure everyone's good to go before I leave. I'm going to put a fire in the fireplace, make sure everyone's good. I'm going to leave, go to the gas station. He comes back from the gas station only to realize that the house is on fire. Yeah. And that all the neighbors are around the house, the firefighters are around the house. Um, they're pulling his wife out of the house, burnt, as he's walking up to the house. And just that moment when he walks up to the house and the look on his face, yeah. like the, the realization of what he had just done. And, like, you could tell, like, he sobers up immediately at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, That'll realized, oh, my God, what have I done? And that moment is extremely powerful. The house burning them, the fact that they can't go get their daughters back in the house is just horrible, extremely sad. Mm. And the next scene, or maybe it's two scenes later, where he's being interrogated by the police yeah. about what happened. Um, that cemented his his nomination, in my opinion. Yeah. That one take... Where the camera starts wide in the room, and as he's telling the story, just slowly kind of focuses in on him or, or moves toward him, and, yep. and gets you know eventually to a close up of his face. Um, what a great sequence setup script that all was, but his performance there it cemented the Oscar in my opinion, or at least the nomination mm-hmm. is concerned. How did you guys think that he handled that one? Yeah, that incredible was acting, and and he's he's always been such a a really nuanced, strong actor and, and uh, plays to all of his strengths and it's incredibly well shot and comes at the right point in the movie, I think. It's mm-hmm. logically yeah. well done to, to for the most amount of, oh, boy. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terribly sad, and it adds a whole new dimension to a character you've gotten to know for a while. Um, and so, yeah, it's super, super effective. Probably the most effective, like, twist like that all year. Except for when Woody Harrelson was twins. <laughs> yeah. And twins! So the whole thing for me is... Um, I always thought this was going to be a movie about redemption. About, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, this horrible thing happened to Lee, um, and his brother obviously has passed away. And I always thought that he was going to kind of take Patrick under his wings and redeem himself to be, oh, I can be a father figure to this kid, and I'm not a complete screw up. Uh, so the fact that it focused on Patrick so much. I don't know if that was necessary. Like, was the whole, oh, he's getting it on with two girls at the same yeah. time. Like, was that all, what was that, was that to remind us of our youth or, you know what I mean? Like, why did they have to go so far into what's going on with Patrick? Yeah, to me, that's the only kind of flaw in the the scripting or the, the narrative, I guess, is like, it's fine. There's nothing really wrong with it, but it does seem like pretty much any time they focused on Patrick on his own, Without his interactions with Casey Affleck or or, uh, or Lee, excuse me, it that those moments kind of dragged a little bit to me, or at least got to a point where I was just like, all right, let's get on with this, let's move on and find out what's going to happen. Um, nothing wrong with the with the performance or or anything like that. I thought this he did a very of, good job. I just yeah. it was that part of the movie. I don't know that it wasn't necessarily as much of interest as it just felt like kind of a distraction from it felt like b story right and when you're in a movie where there's really only two real characters or or long lasting characters throughout that that continue on through the movie you kind of want you want both of them to feel really relevant to uh to what's happening and i I didn't necessarily pull that from from his character as much it felt like it was being used for comic relief but in like a what this is really an appropriate comic relief uh-huh. and like something serious happened to this guy why why is he trying to flirt with his his uh nephew's girlfriend's mom <laughs> and that whole exchange and they're upstairs like in the bedroom and Lee and girlfriend's mom are downstairs like trying to make conversation like I was just like what can we move yeah, on? You know, like, where is this going? If it's not going anywhere, which it didn't, yeah, uh, I didn't understand the point. Uh, so that would probably be my um, biggest complaint would be that whole storyline. Yeah. Um, just didn't work for me. I thought the actor was fine. He played Patrick. Uh, his name is Lucas Hedges. Uh, yeah, I think he was fine. Job. But um, it just... It was kind of like trying to cram boyhood into this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> like, that's remember fair. us as adolescents? Oh, you know, yeah. uh, that I didn't appreciate that uh, so much. So also kind of revealing or something to study about the character was his unwillingness to change. How Lee was unwilling to move anywhere, mm-hmm. um, even though, like Patrick says, you can work anywhere with your skill set. You're not necessarily right. bound to where you are. Um Maybe that's just Casey Affleck's, um, not disability, but unwillingness to accept the past and move on into the future, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean... He was kind of happy with being the loner, 
mm-hmm. nobody likes me kind of guy back well, in his not, hometown. Yeah, he's not done punishing himself. That's right. the thing. I mean, that's that's what they. I think that's what is is being pushed across through the narrative is just. Um, he doesn't allow himself to feel anything because when he does feel something, it turns it immediately turns into feeling about having uh, tragically and inadvertently killed his his kids, you know. And and and, and yeah. why you know why would you ever want to face that if you can if you can uh, find ways to to avoid it? And and I think it goes to the like to me maybe the the best scene in the movie, or at least as far the most affecting scene in the movie. Is when he's in the lawyer's office and finds out that he's been, you know, put in charge. He's the guardian of this kid, and he says multiple times, he just is like, "I'm no, I'm I'm the backup. Like I'm the backup. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be doing this." And so that I think plays into his mentality a lot as well. Of like, he's such a screw up, even if he hadn't killed his kids, you know, which yeah. is the worst thing you could possibly do. But um, and so there's that that bleeds over, I think, into everything he does. And I meant. I think that is a kind of the master stroke of the movie is putting that sort of I mean that's a really deep heavy thought right. and idea and the it's between Lonergan and, and Affleck they put that into the movie almost subtly like it's it's not it's not hinted at it's not danced around it's not um you know brought in through dialogue it's just it is it exists within this person and within this movie and that is that is really difficult to do and and i think i think the dude crushed it on that aspect in addition to everything i mean it's a it's a pretty much a perfect performance um but that aspect is really difficult to pull off i think another aspect is patrick's mom who was kind of portrayed to be a um lady of the night so to speak, uh, not She's a good not person. Stable, yeah. Definitely a partier, yeah. uh, not a mom type person. Uh-huh. But she turns it around in this movie and ends up being ends up sobering up and getting engaged to like a really devout Christian man yeah. and turning her life around. So if she can do it, Lee can. I guess I guess that's kind of the point to get across. Like, doesn't matter how deep you how you know how doesn't matter how bad things have gotten things can always get better right um so lee actually runs into his ex-wife man they had gotten divorced because of the whole fire situation um and they run into each other and kind of have this moment where she's expressing remorse for how they treated each other brutal and i mean i don't know if another oscar moment yeah i don't know if michelle williams like if if Anne Hathaway can yeah. win one for Les Mis, yeah. Michelle Williams can win one for that scene. Because yeah. holy crap. Yeah, I, that's of, the thing. Is, 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 oh, it's just Sarah. I thought it was Michelle Williams. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah, I don't know if she's on screen enough to really – oh, that's rough. I don't know if she's on screen enough to pull uh, to pull an Oscar nomination, but that's – boy, that's some incredible piece of acting right there uh, to – to escalate that situation when you don't really have a whole lot of uh, experience, you don't. She she hasn't been on screen so much, and then she brings out that kind of emotionalism right there. Like that's whew, that is something that's heavy, and it it works really well. It's a that's a it's a great scene. It's also super heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so if we're talking about short lists for best supporting actress, this this is um, IndieWire who kind of does yeah. an updated list. So as far as Best Supporting Actress, um, their contenders are frontrunners, Viola Davis for Fences, mm-hmm. Naomi Harris for Moonlight, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman for Lion, which I have not yet seen. I haven't gotten see. to yet. Uh, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, which I've yet to see. And Michelle Williams. Okay. So outside looking in, they have Helen Mirren for Eye in the Sky. No. Uh, Felicity Jones for A Monster Calls. And Lizzie Janelle, Janelle Monet for Hidden Figures. Okay. Again. So... I guess was Lizzie Kaplan a leading lady in Now You See Me Too? <laughs> I think she was. Yeah. Okay. Best actress? Yeah, let's look at best, okay. cool, best cool. actress. Yeah, there she is. Yeah, she's, I'll just she's actually she's the there. first one. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They already gave her the Oscar. Best actress is competitive this year. Yeah. Good. To me, super competitive. I don't think it's going to be as competitive as people are making out. I think somebody's going to run away with it, but we'll see how that goes. But as far as best supporting actor, um, or best actor, it's going to be hard to root against Casey Affleck here. Yeah. Because the ones that they've put up against him is Joel Egerton. No. Loving. Loving. Yeah. Have you seen that? I, man, I tried this week and I couldn't get to it. I don't know if I'm going to get there before before uh, it's out of theaters entirely. Egerton is a good – I know we crap on him a lot. Egerton can be very good in a movie – it's just he chooses uh, he chooses poorly, and then he's not – he doesn't bring it every time. Yeah, sometimes he's really weak. He's fantastic. Warrior, he's great in yeah, Warrior. Yeah, he is. Uh, and he was really good in Midnight Special, too, even though I didn't really – I didn't like – that was – I was kind of disappointed yeah. in that movie in general. Um, I've heard all good things about Loving, but just haven't gotten to it. Terrible so the other three – Yeah, he was. So it's Affleck, Egerton – Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. I didn't okay. think that was best actor worthy. I thought he was good. Oh, yeah. I didn't think Man, he yeah. should win any Oof. Oscars. Um, Ryan Gosling for La La Land. The guys. And Denzel for Fences. Yeah. So that's going to be good. tough. It's a good race. Yeah. And contenders outside looking in, Tom Hanks for Sully. Ugh. Don't think that should get He's an good. Oscar nom. That movie sucks. But... The movie was fine. He was fine. That's it. You yeah. know, it's not... We're not we're not gonna write home about Sully yeah. any day. That will no. play well though on screeners with old people, so we'll oh, see absolutely. How. <laughs> he has white hair, so do I. <laughs> I thought it was one of the better Clint, Clint Eastwood movies in recent yeah. years. Yeah, though, he rallies to be honest. Well. So right. kind of at the end of this, he says at the end of that conversation, he says to his wife, I can't beat it. I can't yeah. I can't handle this and he rough. leaves. Mm-hmm. Um so that's a rough moment. But so, kind of wrapping this all up, Lee says to Patrick, he's moving to Boston. He found a job in Boston. By Harvard Yard? <laughs> and um, they bury Joe, who was in a freezer the whole time, because they couldn't bury him because it was a winter because the ground was too hard. I didn't know that was a deal up there. That must suck. Yeah. <laughs> Just another reason yeah. not to live up north, guys. What do you, you... Yeah. People voluntarily live up there. I will never <laughs> understand choosing to live... Yeah. Anywhere up north. But. I think they say the same thing about us when it's like 114 degrees. Yeah, exactly. But I 114 can take that. degrees I for like cold, 20 man. days. Can't do I'll it. take 20 days of hot yeah. for 300 days of yeah, cold or it. miserableness. Of I like cold. the cold. I'm diff- I'm, I'm going to go like contrarian your, on your this. Soul. Yep. Yeah. Love it up there. <laughs> I'll take uh, 64, which I is what it is right I now. I wilt in the heat. <laughs> so after that, uh, they bury Joe. Patrick says, hey, I got this new place. You're always welcome. Or, or Lee says that to Patrick, yeah. and 
the movie kind of ends as it began with them fishing together. On yeah, the that wasn't popular with the olds in my theater. The, in the way it ended, people were pretty really like they expected poo. anything else with the way it opens. I, yeah. You know, it's I, called like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you do well, in movies. I thought he was going to sing yeah. in a traffic jam. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. This is an old Hollywood. Uh, no, it was. It didn't. People don't. Man, people don't like it when you don't give an ending, even if it's a depressing ending. When you just kind of here's the last shot and we fade to black. Man, people don't like that. They really expected him and his ex-wife to get back together. I don't know. I don't know what they expected, but yeah, (laughs) I don't know what they expected, but they did not like it. They did not care for that. So not a happy ending, really. I mean, kind of it is. Because it's just an ending. That's the thing. It's just a yeah. This whole movie is a, uh, you know, a pretty real life situation, and it's mm-hmm. not pretty, and it's not uh, fun, and it's a certainly a bad season in this person's life, and sometimes that season just keeps going for a while. I, I don't know. It was the end of this story. It's not the end of a yeah. Uh, the sequel will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. We shall see. No. Um. <laughs> so. All that to say, I was invested this whole time. This is a little long for me. It's over. It's yeah. two hours, 17 minutes. Could have used about 15 minutes could, cut off. Could have yeah. done for an yeah. hour 40 here, guys, if I'm being totally honest. But yeah. I see, I appreciate the ambition. And it is one of the few noteworthy movies of the year as far as um, good performances go. Mm-hmm. So it has that going for it. But um, that's really all I can say. It doesn't have much going for it plot-wise. And um, so, as far as grade goes, I'll give this a a minus. But I never want to see this or think about <laughs> it again. But I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, I'll go a little higher. I'll go A. It's in contention for top ten of the year for me. But like you said, like it's it's hard. To, I couldn't recommend it. I couldn't just walk out on the street and recommend people go see it. Um, but Affleck is just—he's so good, and I, you know, I would. I would hazard to guess that this will win him an Oscar, and, and he deserves it. Uh, but the supporting work is great too, and um, I'm just real. I'm real impressed with. Yeah, there's not a lot to the actual plotting, but to get the emotionalism of it correct and and authentic, I think is a is quite a task. So I'm 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 gonna go. I'm I'm pretty high on this. I'm gonna go A, and I wouldn't be super surprised if this ends up in my top ten. Yep, I'm gonna go solid A as well. Okay. Well, this is kind of my beast of the Southern Wild of this year. Yeah. Like, yeah, really, good really good liked it for what it was. I appreciate the accomplishment and everything, the performances, but I not a subject that I ever want to really revisit yeah. anytime soon. But I think it's worthy of at least a nomination in several categories. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, let's move on, guys. Good convo. Let's uh, hit a recommend real fast. Weekly recommend. Richard, would you like to? Yeah, I can go first. Go ahead. Uh, I've only seen one episode of this, but it's. I want to recommend it to you guys, and then by proxy, um, the rest of the uh, the listeners out there. Have you guys seen the OA yet? No. 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 I, heard I started watching the first episode, and then I was like, unless I can watch all these in the next three days, I'm not going to start it because I'll just forget everything. Yeah, you it's know? very much up both of your alley. More than mine. I don't know why I've seen one, but I have. So, um, but yeah, highly recommend the OA on cool. Netflix. Yep, Netflix. How many episodes is it? Eight or eight. 13? Okay, eight. Easy. So doable. Yeah. Netflix original series, what's the, kind of the plot? 
uh, what what well what it's it it's a slow reveal but it's a mystery um it's kind of like um what's the what's the show on NBC with the girl from Grapevine that has all the tattoos oh, but she doesn't uh, really blind spot yeah it's like a really okay. smart version of blind spot okay all right blind spot's pretty smart is it <laughs> there was the pilot was that's all I've seen well then it became CSI blind spot <laughs> how many <laughs> tattoos does this girl have wow! <laughs> um, it looks like she's marked territory. <laughs> Wait, if we remove this layer of skin, there are more tattoos. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to recommend a movie, uh, Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Oh, classic. Uh, in prep for next week, La La Land, and due to Debbie Reynolds' passing, it's a must-see movie. It's like yeah. the top ten movie of all time for American films, I think. Uh, it's great. I, I didn't. She I, said it was the second hardest thing she did besides childbirth. Debbie Reynolds because she wasn't a dancer. She wasn't a dancer, mm-hmm. right? She was great in it yeah. and a total star. You wouldn't have known that. But I didn't re- see Singing in the Rain until I was in my 20s and I was blown away at how much I liked it. I think I've recommended it in the past. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really totally good. enjoyable and definitely worth a watch if you're seeing La La Land or have seen it. You'll appreciate and it. And it was more. a better time when you were like a 42-year-old Gene Kelly and you could just cast a 19-year-old Debbie Reynolds <laughs> as your love interest and no questions asked. Everyone George was Lucas like, did it. what a lovely, <laughs> lovely couple they make. It's a simpler time. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary that's on Netflix. It's called Elstree 1976. It is about... Uh, studio. Yeah. It is about cool. the studio where they filmed uh, Star Wars, your first Star A New Hope. I didn't know there is a documentary about that. That's there cool. There is. It's about 90 minutes long. And all it's about is the extras and the kind of background players that were involved in the making of that movie. So, like, David Prowse has a pretty pronounced role, but everybody else in the, <laughs> everybody else in the movie is like... Boy, goes from I the guy who plays Biggs, Dark Dark Sider, who had like two lines in the movie, yeah. uh, up down to like somebody who literally was just an extra who's in a couple of scenes here wow. and there. And it's really interesting. Some of these people are the worst human beings you've ever like. They're yeah. super obnoxious about their their part, but some of them have a great perspective on okay. like what this whole thing I mean, was about and what they're what their part of it is and so it's really it's really interesting to watch and just kind of see the the back and forth between between them it's a really easy watch too and and uh so i i enjoyed it quite a bit cool well this has been great yeah and good to always be around you fellas but until next time where can i find you online brian you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing, uh, which will actually exist in the next couple of weeks, at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me and on Twitter at Richard Barden at the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find me on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com where you can find all of our episodes. Find them on iTunes. Give us five stars. Hit subscribe. Tell a friend. And hit us up on the Twitter at MAM underscore podcast as well. Give us a follow. Yeah. Write a review on the iTunes, too. That helps. But only if it's five star or one star. (laughs) None of these two star shenanigans. By the way, you guys didn't correct me about how I pronounce Masayaki. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, if y'all want to correct me now, you have the airtime. I spent 13 years living in Japan. (laughs) 
I think, uh, I think he knew what I meant. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you knew what I meant, so why are you making it a big deal? Uh, it was when you did that in that very offensive Spirited accent, Away though. was uh, – it's Spirited Away, actually, I think, <laughs> is how it's pronounced. So I pronounced it's, it wrong. I'm sorry. It's Spirited Away. <laughs> uh, good movie. Until All right, then, guys. Let's go eat. Time. How let's about we eat. go eat food? Let's go out together as friends. friends. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya yeah, yeah. salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.